welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. Uh, this is Jessica, and I am so excited to be welcoming back Deanna Rayborn to talk about a book that, so we've spoken two or three times about um, Veronica Speedwell, who we love, uh, but you did drop something way back when, when uh, during one of our first ever chats, that you were planning a contemporary story about um retire women who were retiring who were assassins right absolutely and that's what we're talking about today we are i'm so happy to be joining you again me too so killers of a certain age uh as soon as it dropped on my desk as an arc i was like it's here it's here <laughs> and i just read it in one finally sitting. it's been a while right yeah, it's um, it's actually funny. I'm going to drop something on Sunday. Sundays, every other Sunday, we've been doing something on the library's TikTok channel called, um, what is it, like Sunday ARCs, where we drop um, a picture of an ARC we got of an upcoming book. And I think the song that I have playing in the background is uh, that Lizzo song, It's About Damn Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think from start to finish, um, the whole thing was like two and a half or three years from kind of the inception of this book to the final absolute gotta have it finished deadline date where you know this is it we're going into production it's got to be done so it um it occupied a lot of time i think there were two veronica books written uh at the same time yes and kind of, we you spoke know, fitting, about both of them right fitting in drafts for those books while i was working on my killers and um yeah it's it's been a a, a long road to hoe so i loved it it was so worth the wait um is this so please forgive me if i have this wrong is this your first contemporary fiction it is it is i've got like 18 books in print maybe and they're all historical everything is victorian or 1920s so this was a huge leap for me to do a contemporary um it was a, a way to push myself as a writer to do something that i was absolutely terrified of doing and absolutely not certain I could do um but it was it was a huge amount of fun well you did it and you did it really <laughs> really really well I mean wow um thank you yeah. Jessica that means a lot yeah I'm just uh, it was so like I said worth the wait so talk about it where did the story <laughs> come from so there's four women there is um Helen, Natalie, Mary, Alice, and Billy, and they're all recruited in the 70s to be assassins. Uh, and then they're about to retire, and um, they find out that it's not that easy to retire from having <laughs> been an assassin. Exactly. They, um, they've, they've worked together off and on. Like you said, they were recruited in 1979 when they were all about 20, 21 years old. So they're, um, they're turning 60 when the book starts. It, it actually opens with a flashback scene. So you get to see them on their very first mission together. And then we go into present day. 
um, and we get to see what's going on for them now because they and, and they're ambivalent about retiring. You know, when you've done the same job with the same company for 40 years, which is kind of rare these days, people don't really have a frame of reference for that. But that used to be the way of the world. Um, you know, they're they're wrestling with questions of, well, who am I if I don't have this career anymore? What am I doing with myself? What am I going to do with my days? Um, and And has it been a career well spent? And then all of a sudden, everything is thrown into chaos when they kind of have to band together because the organization they work for would rather see them dead than let them retire. They were so much fun to read. I really just loved it. It was just, you know, I wanted to, first of all, I want to see this as like a TV series or a movie. <laughs> it, it made me think a little bit when you started talking about it. It made me think a little bit of um, there was that movie Red, I think yes. it was called, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but this was this was like super, super fun. It was not like it wasn't the same thing. It, it did have the idea of someone who was retired mm -hmm. or retiring from um, this, you know, life of espionage and uh, killing people, you know, who supposedly deserved it. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was fun. And it's fun to kind of see how like Billy is like, you know, like sort of the central character who was um originally like she wasn't necessarily the natural but she became like the queen of assassins well i mean we see that in the in the opening pages of the book where they go on this first mission right and everything's supposed to go according to clockwork and it really doesn't i mean everything kind of starts to go wrong and hit the fan and they've got to think on their feet and figure out how they're going to pull together as a team to bring off this assassination and avoid disaster and they're also i mean potentially in some physical peril if they don't get this right and Billy is the one who steps up during that first mission to say, you know, we're we're a team of equals, but we need a little leadership here. Billy is probably the last person to think of herself as a leader or to to deliberately go after that role. But she's a natural at it. And so she she just kind of slips in there by saying, OK, let's get it done. We've we've got to do this. And. You know, I, I, I think a lot of women probably have had that experience where you're in a situation and, and things just start to go awry and somebody has got to step up. And in this case, it's it's Billy who does that. So she's really the assassin that we we follow the most throughout the story. Um, uh, much of it is told from her perspective. And then we have some flashback scenes to earlier missions so we can see what they've done over the years and kind of some of the, the more interesting assassinations that they've they've pulled off. So when did these characters kind of start to um, rattle around in your mind? Oh, you know, it was when I first started developing the idea for the book, I knew absolutely that I wanted it to be female centric because all of my books have a really strong female lead character. But then it occurred to me that this was the perfect opportunity to push myself not just with a contemporary setting but to look at the idea of developing multiple characters at the center of it because I haven't done that before you know I ha I'll have my strong female but then I've got like a, a hunky male sidekick and a whole bunch of found family characters who are quirky and eccentric but this was a chance to really play with a quartet of women who are essentially equal and and how do those friendships you know how does that dynamic work for them in a work setting and you know we have a lot of uh our culture kind of uh you know we've got these examples of quartets of women starting with little women 
you know, which which most of us read when we're children, um, all the way through Golden Girls, you've got four women, Sex in the City, you've got four women. And so it was interesting to me to say, okay, when you look at all of these projects that have got four women at the core of it, you can kind of break down the personalities into archetypes. There's a wild child. There's a, a wayward one who can be your leader when you don't expect her to. There's your nurturing one. And so I wanted to really play around with those roles and see who each of these women was going to turn out to be and, and why each of them would come into such a traditionally masculine kind of overtly violent profession when none of them are people that you would look at and say, well, clearly you have issues, you know, clearly you're a person who kills for fun because they don't kill for fun. They only kill as an occupation. It is. They don't go around bumping people off, you know, when somebody cuts them off in traffic Um, there, they only kill when they have a mandate to do it from the organization they work for called the museum called the museum. Yes, that was that was fun. So where did um, the museum itself? Uh, did you do some like study of spies? Did, did this all kind of come from your head? Um, I, I did a lot of research on how the secret services, uh, the clandestine services were formed in the US and the UK after World War Two. Um, and, you know, a lot of the efforts that came out, you know, there were a lot of organizations that started during that war um, doing kind of behind the scenes sabotage work and information gathering and everything else. And they had different uh, outcomes after the war. Some of those organizations were rolled into official branches of the government or the the uh, the military that we have now. And then some of them just disbanded completely. And so I started thinking, well, what happens if your organization has disbanded and you've got all these skills and maybe you were using them for four or six years during the war, depending on which theater you were in. And maybe you feel like the... Um, that maybe justice wasn't completely served at the end of that war because, you know, so many Nazis got away uh, and went underground. What if you thought, hey, I'm not going to settle down into, uh, you know, kind of normal domestic life very well. Uh, This is what I've been trained to do now. Maybe I'm just going to go hunt some more Nazis. And I I felt certain that these people would have friends who felt the same way. And so that's how the, the museum is born is it's a group of people who decided, We've got these skills. We can't go back to civilian life. You know, too many of these people have gotten away. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. We're just going to have to do it without a government mandate from anybody because um, that's that's not a thing anymore for us. You know, we've been cut loose. So fine, we're going to we're going to go do this on our own. And so that's how the museum starts. And by 1979, when my assassins are recruited, um, there, there aren't nearly as many Nazis to be found. So they, the, the museum is kind of branched out and they're, they're targeting other people as well, kind of, you know, arms dealers and crooked judges and, um, you know, dictators and, and people who they say just need killing. Yeah, I, I did, um, you know, I did like how it started in the seventies, uh, and, um, just like i mean the first the first mission it was a lot of fun to read <laughs> read how it went sideways and you got like a really fun <laughs> uh, look at the different characters um but now so now they're retiring and i like that they are you know that they're po- that they're post some of them are postmenopausal some of them are <laughs> still going but 
not strong. Um, yeah, yeah there, there is a hot flash that plays a pivotal role at the beginning yeah. of the book because yeah. I mean, and you can you can tell that a menopausal woman wrote that, right? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I just want to peel my own skin off sometimes. And so I, I gave that to one of the characters and another one's always popping her osteoporosis medication. And, you know, they're 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 not as young as they used to be, but they're also, you know, at 60, they're not really ready to retire. They're not, you know, they don't need walkers. They're not, you know, kind of doddering little old women. They, they are vital and they're, they're strong and they're experienced and they have a lot going for them. And I think the idea of being, you know, this mandatory retirement, this forced retirement at the age of 60, they're fighting back against a little bit. They're not entirely comfortable with being put out to pasture. I think this is like the second book I've read this summer that has featured um, women of a certain age sort of uh, coming into some sort of power. The other one was The Change um, by Kirsten Miller, which was more like a witchy book um, where, you know, uh, they kind of found that they their bodies were changing, but it was giving them powers. But this was really cool because this was, just a, a different take on that. And it was extremely fun to read. And um, yeah, I just, I just loved it. Um, so, I mean, one thing I do have to ask is, um, would you write another book with these characters? All I can tell you about that is people are talking. <laughs> Discussions are people being talk, had. People talk, talk about Discussions it. Discussions <laughs> are being had. <laughs> excellent yeah, excellent uh so do you, i mean do you have like a favorite of the quartet is there one that really jumped out at you or are you just like no i love all of my children equally you know i do i really do love them all uh they they all um touch something different for me you know they they all represent something different for me i do have a particularly soft spot for billy um, I gave her a Texas background, uh, like mine, even though I didn't grow up anywhere near Mejia, which is where she's from. And I grew up in a city and, you know, Mejia is a, is a, is a small, small place. Um, just that, that sort of cultural touchstone being the same, uh, kind of gave me an end to her character. And it was, it was, it was done with great affection, uh, because I haven't actually been able to do that with a character before. Um, and kind of give them that same Texas background. So I, I guess somehow subconsciously I was saving it up for a character who would be very special. And, and Billy is that for me. How did you choose their names? That's another thing I was kind of um, sort of imagining. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, re I'm reading it and I'm just like, okay, this, this makes, this makes sense for this character in my mind, this makes sense for a character in another, uh, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, but like, how, so how did you choose everybody's name? Well, Billy's name came from, uh, my favorite great aunt was named Billy. And, um, I, I borrowed the name. I did not borrow any other aspects of her character. Uh, but I, I borrowed her name because she was a, a very, um, kind of larger than life dynamic, you know, take no bull kind of Texas lady. So, um, and I, I, I miss her very much. So I, I borrowed her name for Billy 
Um, Natalie, I think is just because every Natalie I've ever known personally has been something of a wild child. And so for me, that's what that name kind of has associations with is, is somebody who, who you can just kind of rely on to bring the anarchy. Um, and, um, Helen, for me, it's a, it's a, a sort of, uh, classic patrician name. Uh, and that is, that is our Helen. She is very much, a um, a Jackie Kennedy type, you know, she's, she's very, I mean, kind obviously of... your mom, my mind goes Helen Mirren immediately. Oh, that's I wasn't even thinking impossible. in that yeah. way, but <laughs> if you did, that's great. Um, no, Helen is just a, you know, she's, she's kind of traditional, um, Virginia East coast classic town and country kind of, of background. And so for me, that was, that was just a very classic sort of, uh, name for her. And Mary Alice, I loved the idea. I, I wanted one of them to have a double barreled name and Mary Alice, uh, m- one of my dearest friends in the world, uh, her, she does not go by the name of Alice, but that is her actual first name. And so I, I kind of tucked that in there as an homage to her. Yeah, I liked that. Like Mary, Mary Alice. So, you you know, the, the double name thing, which you don't you don't hear it as much as, uh, around my area, at least, um, you know. I, oh, no, it's very much a Southern thing. <laughs> is it? Yeah, uh, yeah because uh, I'm I'm reading it. And, you know, like I, I've known some, you know, Mary Beths and so, yeah, but mm-hmm. like Mary Alice, what I loved about it was it was like two very proper names. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like. Mary and then something a little bit more like you know homie or like a nickname or you know it was Mary Alice and you're just like wow <laughs> so that's you know that's a lot of name um it is and she's our she's our (laughs) blonde bombshell of the group too you know she's she's curvaceous and uh she's the only one of the group who's happily married uh at 60 um you know, so so she's she's got a lot of interesting things going on in her life. Does yeah, her, her and her spouse is uh, not really aware of what her job is, but has some interesting speculations about it. I, I really don't want to talk too much about that because it was just very right. fun, that whole conversation. Right? Yeah, let's we can absolutely kind of skirt that issue and just let readers find out for themselves what goes on with that. But yeah, that I mean, was, you know, that and that super was super funny. That yeah. was another thing, another question that I really played with is if you do something like this, that is a very clandestine occupation, how much do you tell your spouse? And when do you tell your spouse? And this is something that that each one of these four women has had to think about at some point is when do I share this with someone who's important in my life? Um, and, you know, we we um, oh, and one character we haven't talked about yet is um, a male character by the name of Taverner. Um, and I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about Taverner. He is, he's a character who pops up and I swiped his name from the, um, English composer, John Taverner, uh, because he's a, he's a Baroque composer I happen to love. So I, I, I borrowed his name and then I'm watching Slow Horses on Apple, which is a gorgeous adaptation and they have a character named Taverner and I about fell off my chair and I'm, I'm wondering if Mick Heron did the same thing I did and thought, oh, John Taverner needs an homage. That's so interesting because <laughs> I, I was like, wow, you know, I, I there are a lot of names out there, um, especially now, which, you know, a name like that would probably have been 
an occupation like way back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that's one I hadn't heard of before. And I was like, ooh, taverner. <laughs> but, I know. And here I am yeah. thinking, oh, this is so unique. And then I find out Mick Herons used it too. And I was like, damn it. But that, you know, that's one of those things that happens uh, from time yeah. to time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I really just, it, it's such a fun book. It's a great ride. Everybody's going to just eat it up. I really, it was so worth the wait. I'm Aww, just thank you so going much, to Jessica. be running around screaming at everyone to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, it was a tremendous amount of fun to write. And, you know, the whole goal of it was escapist joy, just, just to let people have an adventure and a couple of hours where they could live in another world and fictitiously ride along while we kill people and have adventures. And that was the, that was the point. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I, I do hope people continue to talk. Um, I know we have some more Veronica books on the horizon. We do. We do. Veronica number nine is coming in. Um, is it Veronica number nine? No, Veronica number number eight. Number eight is coming in. I, and see, I'm confused yeah. right now because I'm developing Veronica nine, but Veronica eight is ready to pub and it will be out in March. Very exciting. Uh, well, please come back and talk about that and anything else you want to talk about ever. Anytime. And it's always my pleasure to chat with Syosset Library. So I have to ask if you're reading anything fun right now. So I just finished Amina Akhtar's Kismet, which is still freaking me out. I cannot even One talk about the, the crows. One of the best books. Oh my, I am trying I to process this. I yeah. can't, anytime I see a Corvid now, when I'm outside the house, I'm like, I'm watching you. I am watching you. Um, and, and, it, yeah, I had to explain to my, my, my husband what this thing was. <laughs> I feel like, you know, and Amina and I follow each other on Twitter and I haven't even told her yet, like how flipped out I am. I'm still processing that book. And I finished it like three days ago. Um, and I'm getting ready to start uh, Janice Hallett's The Twyford Code. Um, I very much enjoyed, uh, there was another book of hers that I read, um, whose title escapes me right at the moment, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. And so I'm looking forward to, um, to reading this one because, uh, she's, um, she's a, a very clever kind of twisty mystery author. Sounds great. Uh, very cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. I'm super excited that, um, that you're recommending Kismet as well, uh, too, because I mean, again, that was like one of those books that I saw the cover and I'm like, ooh, this is really pretty. I want to. And then I saw what it was about and I'm like, well, I need to read it. And it just exceeded every single expectation I had. Well, I literally started reading it when I was on my way to a wellness spa and I stopped and went, nope, I'm not going to read this till I'm coming home. <laughs> and I had to save it until I went home. I was like, OK, now now I'm not, you know, terrified someone's going to, you know, yeah uh, be the author of my demise while I'm out on a hike so yeah, yeah. that was it was very pretty. atmospheric and, and she did a gorgeous job with it she really did it was quirky well, and strange and really unique I thought she uh she it, just really crushed it it gives you food for thought I mean there were so many things about it that I'm reading it and it just really it just like took 
took me some time to process, like you were saying, like just some mm-hmm. of the things that happened. So um, hi, Absolutely. Amina. <laughs> <laughs> and I just today got in my hot little hands the arc for the third Finley Donovan book by El Cosmano. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to reading that one because I, yeah. I enjoy the Finley series quite a lot. It's funny you say that because um, another librarian, our head of reference, who doesn't do podcasts, but he is a, a very, very big reader. I just recommended Killers to him about an hour ago, and he <laughs> told me that if I haven't started reading the Finlay Donovan books, that I'm missing out. So um, I feel like they're yeah. kind of natural book siblings in a way. Uh, yeah. So that's that. that'll be fun for you to read those books if you haven't read them yet. Yeah. Did you actually, so this is one that I recently discovered this, uh, um, what was it? Um, the suburban Dick series. I'm That's not familiar. Fun. Oh, those are fun. Yeah. I am not familiar. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Those are super fun too. The, the self-made widow was the one that just came out, uh, but suburban dicks was the first one and it was super, super fun. This, this is, you know, this is me recommending to a, um, a mystery buff books that I think that he'd like uh, but you but yeah that was funny that you mentioned Finlay right after we just had this conversation so um, anyway uh, thank you so much my pleasure my asset library loves the <laughs> it's time to close this chapter of turn the page right, join cool. us for the um, next episode so yeah, the book will be out very shortly uh, when is the phone date again it is September the 6th.